Hey, everybody. Grab your Bible, a pencil, and a journal, and maybe even a cup of coffee, and join in on the conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1-3. through 3. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and he ran for his life, and he came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. everyone. Welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara, and as you know, I am Dot's daughter, and every week we sit down together and we talk through truths and scripture. And in this episode, we dive into the story of Elijah. We talk about Elijah and Jezebel and the power of words, and then we also talk about the moment where God speaks to Elijah in a whisper. And it may be a familiar story to you, but it's actually one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So I really loved talking about this with my mom. So we are really glad that you're here. So pull up a chair and listen in. Hey, Kara. Hi, Mom. Good afternoon. Yes. Well, I feel like I just told you I just fell asleep on my back porch, so I feel a little groggy. (laughs) Yeah. Not mean to. Yeah. And I woke up to your text saying, You ready to record? Yep, I'm ready. And I uh, here you are. And here we are. And I hope that the people listening in have been reading along with us. I know that you're a little bit behind. We talk about that all the time. Well, every week, I'm always just assume I'm behind. If I'm not behind, you'll hear me celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's right. I'll catch up on December 31st or by then. We finish. Mm-hmm. We finish on time. But anyway, I was just thinking about being in Second Kings, and we just talked about, you know, First Kings and talked about David and Solomon. And, you know, I just hope that you're not getting tired of this, the same thing. It's like, here is uh, someone that's sold out to God, that God's going to use them, and then they turn and they sin, and then God brings judgment. And then they, you know, turn around and things get better. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, I have to admit that when you, I, earlier today, and you said that we were talking about kings again, first and second kings, and my response was, what else is there to talk about? We talked about kings last week. Yes. And that's how this is. So we'll see how this goes today. But but I will say that the story of Elijah and Elisha, um, mm-hmm. those are, I do like those. And I, I kind of forgot they were in Kings because I haven't gotten there yet again. But I was like, oh, I do like, I do like mm-hmm. them. I like talking about them. Well, here we are. We are talking about Elijah and we're not going to get quite to Elisha yet, but I do want to just kind of uh, say this before we get started on Elijah. You know, when I think about the two books, First and Second Kings, I do want to say that in First Kings, we have Elijah's ministry. Second Kings, we have Elijah's. And then in the first king, we have God's long suffering of sin. In Second Kings, we have God's sure punishment of sin. And then again, First Kings, we have the progress of unbelief. And then in the Second Kings, we have the consequences of unbelief. First Kings, we have the blessings of obedience. Second Kings, the curses of obedience. The first king is the consecration of the temple. 
And then the second is the destroying of the temple. So just kind of as a just an overview, because we're just pulling out some verses. And actually, what we're talking about today is not even in Second Kings. So I thought, well, we're going on to Chronicles. You know, we may take a break uh, because... We may just have a little special thing next week, but for right now, I, I just wanted them to get a clear view of First and Second Kings because we're pulling out of something out of First Kings, and Elijah goes into the Second Kings. So I wanted to kind of just clear that up. And why are you looking like that? <laughs> I don't know. What. <laughs> I don't. I was just. I was just listening. It was a lot that you said. So well, I was just you were just real. You really were. You were like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm not used to you paying so much attention to what I just said. What look, what look did I have on my face? You're like, oh, okay, okay. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. Maybe we'll um, sum up Second Kings and you'll learn a little bit more about it besides just uh, Jezebel. You know, uh, we hear so much about the Jezebel spirit, do we? which is evil. Uh, I do. I hear that all the time. Oh, I don't feel like... I hear about that. All. I mean, I, I'm familiar with the Jezebel spirit, but I don't, I would not assume that that is a common conversation. Yes. Well, actually, it's not really a common conversation. I wouldn't say that I go to a, a small group and discuss Jezebel spirit, but I will say that a lot of people that are in ministry because they're, you know, in warfare or they're talking about certain things that are going on in their lives they will refer to the Jezebel spirit. And I really don't want to get into that. We know it's evil. We know it's control. We know it's uh, warning power. It's, you know, destruction. And it's evil. It's definitely evil. Mm -hmm. And we see, uh, like today, when we're hearing that uh, Ahab tells Jezebel what Elijah had done, Elijah had mocked her God, which was Baal. And he had killed 400 people that were worshiping Baals mm -hmm. and the prophets. And so Ahab goes and tells Jezebel, and she is so mad. Now, I, I, I want to back up a little bit, Carrie, because you remember this. Remember, Elijah saw God just do miracle after miracle, and literally just what we're talking about. Like, you look back, and you see that all the prophets of, the, of Baal were defeated, and Elijah is just is like uh, making fun of him, and he's saying, "Go ahead and throw some water," because what he was saying is, "Let's test whose God's really whose God." Mm -hmm. And I think Elijah is interesting in that there's a couple of very distinct stories in First Kings about Elijah. Which one you just mentioned, and then when I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but when the Lord speaks to Elijah and how He speaks to him in a mm -hmm. whisper, and so there's these stories about Elijah, and then obviously with Jezebel. But there's really not a lot about Elijah in these books in terms of, I just would imagine that his ministry was a lot more, was just a lot more than what we see um, in these books, mainly because, you know, he was, he didn't die. I mean, he was one of two people that didn't, he, you know, was taken up into heaven versus dying. And so that to me shows like, okay, this guy. I think he had, there's a lot more to him than we, I think we probably see in these little snapshot stories in a few chapters in First and Second Kings. Well, actually, this is true, but actually the Jewish people really felt like Elijah would come back for the Messiah, uh, would come, that he would actually usher in the Messiah. So if you're going, 
we're not going to go to the New Testament, but when we get to the New Testament, you know, they asked John the Baptist, you know, are you Elijah? And mm-hmm. and so— Well, that's what I'm saying is I feel like he had—there had to have been much more to his ministry. I mean, because what we see is great, but it doesn't seem like it warrants like, oh, like, you got he got special treatment to be taken up into heaven. And so I think his relationship with the Lord, maybe how he heard the Lord, I, ju- I just think that there's probably more to— you know his life than what we see in these pages, which is I think it's the case with any of any of the people that we read about. You know, like we just get really these snapshot. Well, that's true. I mean, we didn't walk every single day with Elijah in these books, but I mean, he does raise a widow's son from the dead. He does cause the rain not to you know. For that's s- what I'm saying. Is that yes, we see an amazing prophet, but I think that he probably. There, he was a lot more, and I think even more so when we look at the stories, like with Jezebel, and like when Elijah runs, and when he's you know faced with hearing God mm-hmm. in chapter nineteen. I just think that that probably there's probably a, a lot more weight to those stories than we probably even realize because of the life that Elijah had lived up into that point as a prophet. Because it wasn't long after that where you know God calls Elisha. Mm-hmm. And God, you know, and then he is taken up, and then Elijah is taken up into heaven. So that's what I'm saying is I, I feel like because of his story and him being taken up into heaven. The way that God responded, he had to be in so much more. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do, I agree. I, I think that, you know, very few of us will see God work in the way that Elijah had seen God work. Uh, you know, one of the things at the very end, you know, when he, you know, mocked Baal and he says, you know, the whole point was, my God's bigger than your God. There's no really any other God mm-hmm. but our God. And, you know, I mean, you think about even that situation. To me, what's amazing at what we're talking about is how that he has seen God just do miracle after miracle. And then he hears Jezebel coming after him. And, and he runs. Mm-hmm. And I've always read that and thought, are you kidding me? Like, if you've seen God do all that you've seen God do and how God had rescued him over and over again, and now he just hears the word. He doesn't, he's not confronted by Jezebel. He just hears that Jezebel's coming after him. And I just think there's a lot in here uh, that we need to really kind of unfold to think about because I think we could relate a lot. For one thing, Elijah was tired. He had seen God do miraculous things. I think a lot of times when we come, you know, we call them the mountaintop experiences. We see God do all these mighty things. And it's like all of a sudden, we know that God is just has shown us it's those God moments, those moments where like, oh my gosh, that had to have been God. Or, or you were calling mm-hmm. up someone and going, you're not going to believe what God did. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in another situation needing to trust God. And I call it spiritual amnesia. That, you know, all of a sudden we've forgotten who God is and how he's rescued us before and how he, mm-hmm. you know, shown himself to be mighty and, and powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see it as it's, shows just how powerful words are mm-hmm. you know yes absolutely. Um, I, mean, I think we we know that i don't think that's a surprise to anybody but just i mean whether mm-hmm. it's a word of fear or a word of encouragement or you know whatever accusation that's what that 
Yeah, like just how powerful words can be. Yeah, and you think about not just words that other people say to us, but how powerful the words are that we say to ourselves or the things that we embrace. Uh, We hear people say something or we hear someone maybe just make comments and all of a sudden we turn this onto ourselves and think, I wonder what they think about me, or I think, you know, wonder what they're saying about me. And then you go through that spiral downward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, to be conscious of what we say, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. just about how powerful others' words are, but how powerful our words Mm -hmm. are and not to be quick to judge or quick to quick to label something Mm -hmm. on someone or quick to put something on someone or I don't know, you know, so I think it, yeah, I think it's all the way around. Like we, and I think, you know, we just don't know what people are going through. So even if we don't think anything of it, like saying something could land, I don't know, like we may not have intended it to land in a way and it maybe it caught someone off guard, you know, like we all have our days Mm -hmm. where it's like you say something to someone and you say it one day and it's fine and the next day. You know, it mm-hmm. could be like yeah, it, it does. It hits you in the wrong could way. Cause a situation. Yeah. yeah, it could cause like a fight or something. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I remember I was thinking, Carrie. I remember uh, one time someone said to me, "Oh, I I was just talking about you. Or my husband and I were just talking about you," and she just kind of left it at that. And I was like, "Oh, okay," you know. And then I get in the car and I'm thinking, "Well, what were they saying? What were they talking about?" And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, you know, you think something just as small as that. Someone, you know, didn't say, oh, I was talking to my husband about how horrible you are, or I wasn't talking right. to my husband about how wonderful you are. She just said, oh, yeah, my husband and I were just talking about you. And, of course, you know, yeah. sometimes we tend to Yeah, sometimes imagine. I get that when people were like, oh, you look just like this person, like someone mm-hmm. I don't know. You're like, oh, you yeah. look just like my friend from home. And I'm like. Well, what does she look like? Can you go on? What, are, yeah, what does she look like? Is she mm-hmm. like, you know, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say anything mean on here. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have a specific yes. example, but I just know I've thought that too. When people are like, oh, you look just like so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, I don't know so-and-so. Yeah. So can yeah. you like follow that up? Yeah, can Is we? Is she like nasty and ugly in that you, you know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. And, that, anyway. and that's, I think, is where we really, you know, a lot of some of the things are wounds or a lot of our, you know, insecurities play a part of that. But words are very powerful. And but what well, I here's really, like another here's another example of just had just came to my mind of mm-hmm. I have a wound. I'm five nine. I've been five nine since I was like ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like so, mm-hmm. I was a tall kid, mm-hmm. and I'm still tall. But you know, like mm-hmm. as a yeah. yeah, the child and. You know, people would always say, like, oh, you're so big. Like, you know, like yeah. a kid. They yes. Would, you'd say that to kids. You know, like, oh, you're such a big kid or you're so big or whatever. Oh, and, you're so tall. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I also had a little bit of a weight problem as a kid. So <laughs> they, did, they didn't mean it as my weight. They were talking about my height. But I have had weight, you know, like that is a sensitive – that's a wound for me because of yes. my weight. And so if anyone now – I mean, I'm not overweight now – Mm-hmm. Um, but if anyone were to say like anything we're like referring to a tall person as a big person, it mm-hmm. is like triggering for me. People don't know that. Like I'm not expecting, but it's like, it is one of those things where an innocent word of like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you're so tall and big. It's like, 
Just don't ever say that to an adult. Yeah. I just would say it to anyone. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe some people know that. But my point being is like yes. sometimes our words, we don't know. We don't understand the weight of the words. How because they, and what, how they're going to hit. I mean, I remember right. that, Kara. You thought you were going to have to play for the Falcons. You thought the Falcons football players was going to come and it's try like to the worst. You know, recruit it's you. It's still trickery. Yeah. I can yes. laugh about it, but I might cry about it later yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah. anyway, and I know that's not what Jezebel is saying, but the point words. is it's powerful words. And But here's another powerful word, and that is that as Elijah runs, God comes and he says to Elijah, what are you doing here? Because he is running and he goes and he gets, um, you know, he's running for his life and he goes into the wilderness and he sits down behind underneath the tree and he asks that he just die. He's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And he says, you know, uh, Laura, he said, I, that I might die. He says, um, and he asks that he might die saying, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and went to sleep. So we know that he's tired and he's weary. And he had just faced this huge opportunity to to Well, if you really, think about it, too. Yeah, like if you think about it, like I would imagine that moment with the Baal gods and he struck, mm-hmm. you know, that big moment, like that had to have taken everything out of him. Like, right. I don't know, I just had that realization in this moment of like, I know spiritual battles that I have fought mm-hmm. and it takes mm-hmm. every ounce of energy sometimes to just like, like when you're really in a spiritual battle. So yeah, like I think, you know, his weariness is warranted because I, I would imagine that that was exhausting. I mean, you know, thinking about well, being surrounded by all that. So I'm not justifying his actions. I'm just saying, I just had this moment of realizing that right now of like, oh, like I'm, sh- he had to have been weary, not just, I guess I always referred or thought of his weariness when I read this as like him running from Jezebel, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was yeah. tired from running, which he probably was. Mm-hmm. But I just had this moment right now of thinking like, oh, like he probably was spiritually re- weary yeah. because of the fight that he was just in. And I do think that, the spiritual fight. A pro- yes, of course. But I do feel like that's kind of like the process, too. I think there's moments in our lives where we're on, you know, we're spiritually, we see God works, as I was saying earlier, and we see God work. And then there's this, here you are on this mountaintop, and you just can't stay there. And so all of a sudden, you're, you know, telling everybody, or, my God, you know, did this. And that's exact, exactly what Elijah did. He was just telling everybody, there's only one one God, and it's mine. And he's Jehovah. And then he hears that Jezebel. So I think at this process, our, our spiritual journey, Kara, is like, there's these moments. There's moments of we're really, you know, sold out to God. We're really surrendered to God. And then we get through a test and we get through situations and we have to draw back on. That's why, as talked about earlier, God moments. We have to draw back on how we know that God was faithful, you know, then. But I think he was physically tired. I think he was emotionally tired. And I think he was spiritually tired. And I just, but just to hear, I just, just think about this. Can you imagine you're sitting there, you're just worn out, and you hear God say, what are you doing here? Because he's depressed, he's tired, he's weary, and he's really going through this hard time. And I know that, because we've talked about, you know, some things that you struggle with, with, you know, getting down. Like, if I called you up and said, what are you doing there? What are you doing depressed? Well, I was going to... 
But I was going to ask, I don't know that we know the tone that God's asking. Like maybe well, we don't. like, well, I'm just like, I just was no. thinking like maybe God was asking in like a relational way, like, hey, what are you doing here? Like kind of like, are you okay? Or I don't know, like to get, because it seems like Elijah has withdrawn like mm-hmm. physically and yeah, he's I'm done. assuming emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's withdrawn. So I would imagine that would even be in his relationship with the Lord, whatever that looked like. So part of me wonders if, because of how I know God, you know, like what yes. I believe about God, he obviously cared about where Elijah was. So I, I wonder if he was, you know, taking a step toward Elijah being like, Hey, what are you doing here? Like in a relational way, not in a mm-hmm. like, you're well, an idiot, loser. Get up and yeah, you yeah. Know, Are like, you just stupid? Condemning. Did you not just see what I yeah. just did? Yeah, right. But and I do think that, Kara. Absolutely, I think that. I think it's the heart of God. I think God through this whole entire thing. The fact that I mean, He could have struck Elijah dead. You know, He's like, you know, I'm done with you if you don't trust me. It's not. That's not the heart of God. You know, God understands we get tired. God understands we get weary, and and I think. Exactly, that's the tone of God because we see that God goes and feeds him. We he takes care of him and he nourishes him. It's grace. It's like Elijah. Mm-hmm. Why? What are you doing here? You know me. You know right. that and I he, am a good God. Yeah, and he go he speaks to him. You know, mm-hmm. let alone yeah. feeding him. It's he speaks to him. And one of the things that I have noted in my margin a couple times is how Elijah felt alone. Yes, Kara, I do think he feels alone. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we see that he's like saying to God, God, I've been so faithful to you. And now I'm having to run for my life. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's this moment where God's like, Elijah, no, that's not true. What you're hearing and what you're believing is not true. You're not alone. And you're not the only one that is a Christian. And that's basically what Elijah is saying. You don't use the yeah. word Christian in this Old Testament. But, right. But, I'm, but he's like, I'm the only one who's following you. Mm-hmm. Yes. One of the things I just want to point out is when the Lord speaks to Elijah, and mm-hmm. a, this is a very well-known passage mm-hmm. where, you know, he's not in the fire, he's not in the earthquake, you know, he's not in these big things, but he's in mm-hmm. the whisper. And I remember last year when we read through this, I remember it was the first time I realized, I always had this picture of when this scene is taking place, like Elijah's out like on the cleft of the rock, like he's come out of the cave because he was in a cave. And I had this picture of he's come out of the cave, he's on the cleft of the rock, you know, this this is all going on. And then this gentle whisper, like with a breeze comes through and, you know, he hears God. But what I saw last year for the first time, and that still speaks to my heart, today is that Elijah was still in the cave when God does this. Like Elijah is still in his darkness. He is still in his cave. He is still in this, you know, hopeless place when God is speaking to him. And that's what draws him out. Well, it does draw him out. Yeah. Like, and I think that's like his, God's voice, like he, we don't have to get out of the cave. Like, I think that as someone who struggles with being in the cave, like God's voice leads us out. Like we don't mm-hmm. have to get ourselves out. Like, and just as strong as Jezebel's word was to fear, you know, put fear in Elijah. Mm-hmm. So it was the power of God's whisper 
God's word to draw him out. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point because it's not like Elijah could actually get out of that cave by himself. And in verse 11, it says, God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and with a great strong wind. So it was God that was calling him out of that and told him to go come before him. Right. And he didn't because then it says, And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So God said, come out. And he does these things and he he doesn't, you know, and I think that just, I don't think I'm assuming this, but I don't think it was out of the disobedience. I think, and maybe because I, you know, and all, I haven't said it like this on the podcast, I'm not going to get into it, but struggling with depression, it's like, sometimes it's like, you're not doing something out of disobedience, but it's like, I don't. I don't have it in me. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like that's the picture I see of God saying, yeah, like come out and hear me. And then when Elijah heard the whisper, that's where, you know, he wrapped himself and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And anyway, I just like love that. I love seeing those two pictures of like the voice of Jezebel is what drew him out of fear Mm -hmm. into into the cave. But God's whisper is what also drew him out. Like, right. I think that's a great point. And I think that a lot of times it is God that is going to pull us out. You know, a lot of times we try all kinds of techniques. We hear things like, well, just think positive. Well, uh, don't tell yourself lies. Tell yourself truths. Well, uh, tell yourself scripture. Listen to praise music and all of these things. And these are wonderful things, but they're techniques trying to get us out of this moment of self-pity in this cave where, you know, we feel alone and we feel abandoned by God. And I think, you know, for me, I wrote down, you know, that often we're looking for God's miracle. We're looking for His power. We're looking for His, uh, you know, moment of just really just sweeping us up. We're, we're always looking for an experience with God, and which is an emotional uh, mm-hmm. tendency. And for me, I was really put, you know, on the side of my Bible is that it was in the quiet moments. It was not that Elijah was looking for God's power, but he heard his voice. So he was actually uh, seeking and what brought him out was really just the grace and the love of God. Yeah. The difference of like who God is versus what mm-hmm. God can do. Yeah can do for you. And of course, I know God wants to do good for us, but but He wants to be known by us deeper. And I think, and that's where, I mean, I wake up and some mornings are harder than others. And sometimes I have to put on worship music mm-hmm. to help draw me out of the cave because I'm like, I, I need, you know, like I need to do something or I don't know, like I, or even just like to lift, not even do something. I don't even mean like in a productive way. I just mean do something in a, I need my, this heaviness to be lifted. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can't, I mean, it's partly why I'm behind <laughs> in my mm-hmm. reading, because like willing myself to read some mornings is too difficult, not because I don't want to read, but it's like, but then I have to put on worship music because mm-hmm. it's like, I need to surround myself with worship. And so that's where mm-hmm. it's like, I think it is, I'm not doing it in like a works way. It's, it's my version, it's my way of like wanting to hear God's voice. And that may be why you hear yeah, it's like that's my way of I, I I need to hear your voice right now, and I, I can't I can't focus. It's not like a. It's just more of like my mind can't focus to read 
And so it's like, I just need it to be, I need him to be surrounding me, if that makes sense. But that's the part I'm trying to say is that there is a difference in a technique. And then there's a difference in when we begin to want to seek and hear God's voice and the way that sometimes God speaks to us, if it's through worship music, that it's actually music that has the words that of truth. And it's, you know, David, you know, definitely would sing his song, you know, songs and stuff. And so worship is huge It's worship music, but, but that's the way God speaks to us. And you're beginning to get your focus on him. And I think that that's the key. Well, yeah, it's the, my heart behind it is Mm -hmm. you are the only one who can lift this heaviness. You're the only Mm -hmm. one who can heal this pain. So it's almost like I just am trying to get into his presence in some way. Mm -hmm. And I know that he is always with me, but it's my heart behind it is putting myself in a position to, I want to, I want to hear, like, I want to Mm-hmm. Not experience him in an experiential way. I want to experience him like I just want to know him because I know I am looking for a way because I know that he is to get to him because I want to get to him because I know he is the only one who can heal. He's the only one who can lift the sorrows. He's the only one who mm-hmm. can draw me out of the cave. And I think that what you're saying is that worship music is a way that gets your mind, your focus on God, but it is God that heals your heart. It is God that right. pulls you out of you know, wherever you are, gets your focus on what God is. And that's like you're saying, coming out of the cave. And that's often, you know, what uh, Elijah was so consumed with himself. He was, you know, so consumed with the fact that he was tired. He was consumed with all that he was doing for God. And then he feels like, God, look what I'm doing for you. And he begins to, that's what happens when we start feeling sorry for ourselves, that we begin to feel entitled. And when we start working for God, and that's, I say that all the time, that, you know, working and serving God does not give us a desire to love him. We love him because we know him and we know his ways. And then because we love him, then we want to serve him. So often we want to serve God and do for God, thinking that that's going to develop a strong love for God, but it doesn't. And so as I was thinking about Elijah and sitting there and being, you know, like you're saying in the cave and feeling alone, it's how God's grace, it was God's like whispers to him. It was like a tender Mm -hmm. moment. And so often we feel like God has to come to us in such a way that it rocks our world. And I think that God wants to say, just be still, you know, know that I'm God. And I think, you know, when I look at Elijah and it, I could so relate to sometimes feeling like I'm, you know, am I the only one listening to what God's saying? Because am I the only one seeing what's going on around here? And then that's so prideful because I'm not. And whatever God is doing in our world is because he's God. And it's not because he needs me to do anything for him. And I just think that we just see so much grace and love. And I think, you know, today, Kara, we just stop for a minute and think about the heart of God. I think you said it. You know, it was out of love and it was out of kindness. It was tenderness. He fed him, you know, and he was like, you know, Elijah, what are you doing here? You know that I'm God. Keep your focus on me. 
And I think that no matter what's going on in our world, and if our world feels like it's shaken, if we feel like God has allowed the rocks to break into, no matter what you're going through, you can always just sit for a minute, and God will come to you, and God will remind you, I am your God, and I love you, and I will always never, never leave us or forsake us. And we don't have to go into the cave of darkness because He is our light. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, DotBowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen. Dot Bowen.